Blog Talk Radio. Rubber Guard Radio is live on the air. Your hosts for tonight are KZ and Hack. Welcome to the December 14th edition of Rubber Guard September December 14th edition of Rubber Guard Radio. I'm your host Casey. My tag team partner for the evening hack is out sick, so I'm going to be flying solo. Uh, tonight's show is brought to you by our sponsor, IVP Videos, www.ivpvideos.com, 2.99 single disc, uh 5.99 double disc sets uh for all your Purecell Lucha Libre some MMA, and a whole lot of uh, Puro Indie Sleaze. Uh, IVP Videos, www.ivpvideos.com. Uh, keep an eye out. Uh, IVP will be running a Christmas special. So enough of the bull stuff. I am live on the air with my guest, Midwest Independent Pro Wrestler and 2008 Presidential Candidate, Mr. <laughs> Sal Tomaselli. How you doing, Sally? Not bad. Good to be here with my fellow Americans address uh, the nation and wrestling and whatever else you'd like to talk about. <laughs> so uh, what platforms are you, are you going to run on? What, what, well, why are we going to vote for you? Well, we're representing the Green Party, and uh, we're running our, our, main, uh, our main focus is on Proposition 420. We're going we're to go ahead and attempt the legalization of marijuana. That's really pretty much the main focus, but I think the American public should vote for me simply because I plan to outheal the government which is a pretty hefty task, mind you. But I think that along with my brothers uh, that are going to be helping me run the campaign, I think we've got a pretty good shot at it. So if we get you into office, are we going to invade Canada? Whatever you'd like, man. I'm a man of the people. I've, I've made it very very clear that I will pass whatever law you guys want passed. I'll do whatever you want. You know, It's your country, so you tell me how you want it run, and that's what I'll do. At least British Columbia, because sure. you know they have the, the nice plants up there. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, we can invade and just kind of put up posts. We'll have, like, the United States Embassy. That'll be a couple square blocks, and that's really all we need. We'll go from there. Sounds a good time. Tremendous. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about your wrestling career. Um, where are you originally from? I'm from Chicago. You're from Chicago. Yeah. So how did, how did you end up out here in the Bay Area? See, okay, what happened was, see, there's a lot of, there's, like, a misconception. A lot of people think that one of the Thomasellis isn't real. Which, to be honest with you, I think that the three of us were the biggest reasons people think that that one of us isn't real. Just because when the rumors started, we really played into it, just because it was funny to us. But what happened was, I was a criminal justice major, and Sacramento State University is like one of the top schools for that. And right out of high school, I got a scholarship. So I moved to California for school, for college, not for wrestling. It just kind of happened that Vito came out that way a couple years later, and it worked out. So, I mean, it wasn't my intention to move out there for wrestling. 
life just kind of took a good turn for me. That's all. So how'd you break in? Who broke you in and whatnot? I broke in with uh, a company I think you're familiar with. I broke in with Supreme Pro Wrestling uh, up in, North, in, the, in the Sacramento area. You familiar with them? Colonial Theater. There's yeah, buddy. The downtown building. Stockton. Yeah. Or not Stockton, Stockton Boulevard in the Oak Park yep. District. Great part of town. Great. But uh, I broke in there. Uh, the big, ugly J.D. Bishop was like a local indie guy there. And at the time, you know, I, didn't, I couldn't afford to go to, to the Bay Area because, like, all pro wrestling was the other company, I guess, that had clout, that had a good school. I just didn't have the funds to get that far. So I broke in as a camera guy with SPW because they didn't have a school at the time. I just hung around. I did camera work and referee work for about, like, a year, year and a half or so. Until finally they opened up a school. I started with them for about, I did maybe about a year there before I went, joined up with Vito. Somewhere around here, something is, like that. Is Big Ugly as stiff as he looks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Especially his clothesline. Yeah. He's a super nice guy. I think sometimes he gets kind of a bad rap. A lot of people just, uh, at least this was, you know, local indies when I was there, but. Very nice guy, but he, he was always into that Japanese style, too. You know, he's a pretty stocky guy, so he didn't mean to kind of take your head off, but sometimes he did, you know. <laughs> I've always I've always loved Big Ugly, and, and his team with Vinnie Massaro, now the cartel, they are just... Yeah, yeah. We I would like them, to see I them in the ring. There. I'd like to see those two guys in the ring with any combination of the Tomasellis. Well, the last, I think the second to last show we did was the uh, Masawa and Ogalake to do the Iron Shows. And we act, we wrestled there. the cartel. I think it was their first or second tag match. We wrestled with those guys. So Vinny is like I I got nothing to respect. Vinny's been around the business for so long, and the guy knows so much. He's just really really smart to it. So any time working with Vinny was fun. I thought the tag match was pretty good for you know the time frame that we were all in. But I'd definitely like to work them now, you know, years later and see how we've all progressed. Now that was the first show of the weekend, right? At the yeah. high school, yeah, in Hayward, yeah, yeah. Was. I was in for I was in for that show. I didn't, I couldn't make the second one, but yeah, that was that was the show. Like Nigel show. stole the show. Oh, it was fun. Yeah, was Nigel fun. and Bison. I think, man, show. those guys did great. They did great that night. It was awesome. Bison, Bison, and BJ Whitmer just tore it down. Bison, I, good I, stuff. Yeah, I'm. I've never been. I've never ceased to be amazed by it. That guy can. He's 300 pounds and can do a run off the top rope. I mean, it's, I can't do that. You know. It's incredible. That guy's awesome. So, I know that during that that weekend shot that the SAT stayed with you and Vito. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would like the story or two, please. Sure. Uh, you want what kind of story? You want like a, a fun story or? I, I, I don't well, of course. Those guys, are, in my opinion, they're uh, just the epitome of everything that is wrong with this business. So we're not we're not on good terms with those guys. But that weekend was actually a lot of fun. I didn't see when I was in Iron at that time. Vito was like main event. I was a young boy. So while they were out at the bars and having a good time, I was setting up the ring and breaking down the ring. So I honestly couldn't tell you. I didn't have a fun time that weekend at all. I was just doing ring crew. So that's pretty much my story out of that. That's part of paying your dues, kid. Yeah, exactly. And Iron was very uh, they were very fond of paying dues. So. We paid a good amount of them there. There's, there's nothing wrong with uh, the Japanese formula as far as running a dojo. Absolutely, uh, I agree. Discipline and respect that you don't see up in New York. 
Well, I, I think for the most part, as far as the, most of the places I've been to, you don't see that kind of break in the business. Right? I think a lot of guys should break in that way. You know, like when I went to Iron, I, I already had two years. But when I went there, I completely started over again, bottom of the barrel below everybody else. I think it's just it's an ego check that guys need that they don't get nowadays. You know, it, just, it creates respect for the business at the end of the day. So when you broke in in Sacramento up for Supreme, uh-huh. what was your gimmick again? Sacramento I was Dragon. Sacramento Dragon. Yeah, that was uh, it was a fluke because I was a referee at the time. I was in the training dojo by that point, but I was just a referee. And I showed up one day, and they just one guy I guess broke his leg or something the night before, or something couldn't make the show, and they just wanted me to kind of fill the spot. And since I had to referee that night, they gave me a mask. And I didn't have any gear, so one of the boys just gave me a singlet, and it happened to have Sacramento Dragon airbrushed on it. So it was both. It was only supposed to be for that one night, just to kind of take the guy's spot for that evening, you know. And it and it stuck, I guess. You know, I guess it was kind of an over gimmick. But I wasn't a big fan of it. I didn't like. I hate wearing masks, man. You can't see. You can't breathe. Nothing. I I hate it. Well, that that explains why you're not working a lucha show tonight. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not a big. I love watching it, but just I can't do it. I'm just not a fan of doing it at all. Ugh. Well, I need your opinion on my one of my favorite local workers, El Flaco Loco. Oh man, I couldn't say a bad thing about him if I lied. Flaco is, is he's probably. Outside of the business, he's probably one of my best friends. He's just a really, really good guy. Um, a guy who, he, he, he's the kind of guy that I have so much respect for simply because of the fact, like, he's in the business not to make a career out of it. You know, he knows he's going to go to the show and he's going to lose money. He's probably going to get pretty beat up. He just does it because he loves it. You know, there's really no other reason for that. And just to be around a guy who likes to have that much fun at wrestling shows, he just made the environment a lot more fun. But baby face, heel, whatever. That guy could get over is either one. He had the best promo of anybody in the area. You know, I couldn't say a bad thing about him at all. He's great. Yeah, he's a certified nut. Yeah, and it's 140 book, pounds of drunken wrong. fury. There you go. Yeah. Well, tequila. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you moved, you moved into the Iron Dojo. You worked some of the Iron shows. And... Uh, Iron pretty much closed down, and you moved back to Chicago. Mm-hmm. With, uh, well, we went to Atlanta with first. Your brothers. Uh, that's right. You went to a Wild Side in Atlanta. Yeah. And then uh, you learned how to work the cameras. Pretty much. So, you know, I mean, it, it served its purpose. Yeah, we, we kind of had a territory upbringing. You know, we spent a couple years here, a couple years there, and, uh, and it was kind of by design. I mean, it kind of worked out that way, but once it started working out that way, we purposely started going to places that we hadn't been before that like West Coast style and the Southern style are completely different. You know, how to work their crowds. East Coast and Midwest are completely different. But we tried to put some time into each individual area and just kind of pick up whatever we could, you know, from the local guys there. Everybody's got something to contribute. You know, and I think once you start getting an understanding of the different areas and different crowds and how different guys work, it just makes you versatile. You know, so that was kind of the, the, the reason we started branching out and trying different things. It kind of took a little bit longer for us to get into our own. So I think once we did, it was more long, there was more longevity in it just simply because of the experience we had. 
Um, my one of my co-hosts, Hack, he is a regular IW Mid South um, fan, as is his wife. Yeah. And he told me a he told me a story about your testicles popping out <laughs> of your tights in a match. What's the story? Honestly, he, see, he sent me the email about it. Actually, we, we just talked about it earlier today. I have no idea. I didn't know that you know my balls were hanging out. Um, I think I heard something when I was in the match. I heard somebody saying something, and then Vito said something to me. But see, Vito, when I was in Iron, they used to rib me all the time, and that was one of the ribs because I was new to, to the matches, and I'd be working like Vinny and Vice, you know, those guys, or something like that. And everybody would keep whispering to me, "Your balls are hanging out." And I'm like feeling myself. I'm like, "No, they're not." Like, what are they? What are they talking about? So when, he, when Vito said that to me in the match, I just kind of passed it off as he's trying to do the old rib to me. And I just blew it off. But then when Hack sent me that, I'm like, oh, well, I guess everybody got a show. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. Yeah. He, he, just, he just told me that, you know, they popped out. He didn't, he didn't tell me, you know, the situation or whatever. I think he said it was like on a suplex. Vito, Vito yanked my tights a bit on a suplex. And who knows? I mean, if Vito may have done that on purpose. I have no idea. I'll, I'll find out. I'll make sure to ask, ask him. It's it's a replay of flaring coal off all over again. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean that was bad. I mean, oh, and I don't. It was funny. I don't know if it was a rib or you know it just just happened or you know. It or reminds me of the, when you use when you use the juice, your balls shrink and it may you know make things you know a little more slidable down there. That might possibly be too, but. possibly. It's like the what was it, Mick Foley's penis suplex when Bob Holly uh, suplexed uh, Al Snow. You ever, you ever read that story in his book? Yep. Just a little rib, you know, and it could very well have been that by Vito. I have no idea. Well, speaking of the juice, <laughs> what are your opinions on steroid use? I think that um, I think it's kind of blown out of proportion. To be honest with you, I used to, I mean, for years I've been a personal trainer. I've been in the fitness industry. So I, I kind of have a, a good amount of knowledge on it. Steroids are used in a lot of different medical ways that benefit people, especially, you know, people with different kinds of physical deficiencies and things like that. But as long as it's not abused, it's not going to damage your body to the point that, you know, a lot of people are dying because of it. All those people that, that die off of it are abusing the living hell out of it. You know, I mean, I've, I've read in, like, Dynamite Kid's book. He was doing, I think it was, like, whatever it was, a month's supply every week. You know, Arnold had said in his, in his interview that he used to take a handful of, of steroid pills a day. Well, that's insanity. You know, that's, that's, that's like taking, you know, 20 somas every day. It's the same reason why people overdose on pills. Anytime you abuse it, it's going to be bad for you. Now, using it, yes, in, in some sports like the scandal and baseball and everything, I guess it's, it's not a level playing field. And for that reason, I can understand it. If, you know, you don't want it, you want to outlaw it and not let some guys have the edge over other guys. I get that. But as far as it, like, killing people, no, if you don't abuse it, you're, you're going to be fine. I mean, it's detrimental a bit to your health, but not to the extent that uh, I think the, the media has portrayed it to be. Well, if you if you follow your doctor's instructions, you cycle on and off. Mm-hmm. I don't see a problem with it. It's no. it's when uh, people start, you know, using uh, recreational drugs or or overusing uh, painkillers while on the juice 
that causes problems because Absolutely. the heart the heart is a muscle. Right. And, and now you're bombarding it with all these different things. Well, plus you're abusing your body, you know, night in and night out by, you know, falling ways that you're not supposed to. Right. So, I mean, it's... Ah, who the fuck am I? <clears throat> but, I mean, I, I believe that there is a place... After you get... I, I figure, after you get trained and you learn what you need to learn, then it's up to you to get your body in the way that it, you would like it to be. You get your body that way, and you just I, keep it up without help. You understand? And, uh, you know, like, but the thing is, like, I mean, this is, a, at the end of the day, like, my main beef with it is that this is a free country. And for the, mm-hmm. for the fact that we're a free country, I mean, we really don't have a whole lot of freedom the way that it's supposed to be. Yes, it's detrimental. Yes, it, it, you know, the longevity of it is bad for your health. You know, yes, putting on a seatbelt might save my life, but shouldn't I have the right to choose if I want to do it? I mean, it is my body, and I do live in a free country. Why don't I get a say in it? You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't, I think anything, for the most part, most of these things should not be outlawed. That's to the person's discretion. You overdose, it's your fault. You shouldn't have overdosed. You know what I mean? But you should still have the freedom to do it if you want to do it. I, have, I don't know, maybe that's just me. Well, no, I mean, I'm a firm believer in, in marijuana being legal, and, I mean, it, it is definitely one hell of a painkiller, I'll tell you. Absolutely. And just think of it. I mean, if the government, instead of trying to put so much money into outlawing it, if they governed it, if the go- I mean, if it was sold at convenience stores, on taxes alone, that, that could completely wipe out the entire deficit. You know, I mean, there's just there's good ways to go about it. I just think people are so instilled in the fact that, no, 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 it's bad and it should be outlawed, and it's so ingrained in you, just generation after generation, it kind of builds that aura of this is evil and it's going to kill you the first time you do it, and you no, know, that's not the case at all. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. Uh, any stories about acid? Acid. The worker, that is. Yeah. Mike. Um, Ass is a good friend of mine. Uh, I didn't really know him too well until I moved back. I didn't really get to, like, I left maybe, I left for Sac State like maybe six months after Vito broke into business. So I, I, I traveled with him a little bit, you know, to shows, but I didn't really get a chance to know him that well until I came back. I used to, he's a cool guy. He's just, he's a guy who's professional. He's never going to bullshit you. He's never going to lie to you. And for a guy his size to be able to do the moves that he does, He's like Brandon. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me how guys that big could do 450s and a guy my size can't, you know. It just sometimes doesn't seem so fair. <laughs> I do agree. Yeah, hey, definitely. He is a hell of an interview. Oh, um, did you, you interviewed him recently, didn't you? Yeah, I did. A couple Damn it, I was going to prank call, too. I forgot all about that. Yeah. yeah, that was a really good. Most of it, we, did, we didn't even talk much pro wrestling. We got into the MMA, and I was like, Fine by me. Yeah, he's an accomplished like amateur wrestler. In our dojo, where we have the Elite Pro Dojo, uh, there's an MMA company that rents out the facility a couple of days a week. I know Acid works with them and talks with them a lot. He's really into that, into that, uh, into that field. I think it's great too. I love MMA. I do too. It's to the point where I watch more MMA than pro wrestling. But so do I. I'm actually in like 15 minutes. They're showing that replay of the Ultimate Fighter pay per view. 
Oh. And Vito missed it. I'm taping it for him tonight. Oh, good stuff. Did you catch uh, it? Oh, yeah, the whole. I mean, top to bottom, that entire show was so good. So, so good. Man, Man especially really the main fun. event. That was the rightful main event. That my, my boy fantastic. Clay should have should have just, you know, stuck and moved that third round. But oh, Horst is a good guy, man. That guy's got a good defense. He never, every time he got taken down, you have, if you look at, like, his face, he never got flustered. He was planning on what his next move was going to be, you know. Whether, whether he wins, loses, good. or draws, or whatever, he will always have a job in the UFC. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those because two guys are going to be, I can't wait to see more of them. Oh, that was such a good fight. Oh. It was very fun. And uh, what what about uh, J-Rock and War Machine? You know, I I, uh, I like missed half of it. I remember I, I saw the ah. first round, and then I didn't come back to the third round. And all of a sudden, there was blood everywhere. I was like, holy shit, man. I saw, and I saw in the replay, like, what busted them open. Those two guys were just phenomenal. Phenomenal. They just, like there it, was no quitting them. It looked like an Ian Rodden match, man. There was yeah. Blood all yeah. Over. <laughs> it was great, though, because neither guy stopped. They just kept going and going. It was awesome. Well, I mean, until the knockout, but still, it was, still good. It was good. a hell of a fight. That's yeah. a really good show. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what are we? We're almost at six o'clock. Oh, I'm going to be able to catch it too. Gosh. Yeah, it's going to be on in like a few minutes. I think it's just seven for Pacific time. Yeah. So you work for regularly. You work for IWA Mid South and Elite Pro. Yeah. Any uh, any stories about uh, matches that you've had in Elite? Elite Pro... Any memorable matches? Yeah, actually, you know, a majority of them are memorable. I had one singles match with Jason Hayes, who Jason, that, that guy, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with within the next couple of years. Because he, he learns so fast. You know, he, he, he just picks everything up so quick and he's just so talented. But definitely the singles match I had with him, I liked... Everything we did, or at least everything we were able to do with the SUVs, they were a tag team of uh, Maverick and Jay Jensen. That was a lot of fun because those two guys were very, very established in, like, the Midwest scene right when I left. So coming back, just kind of for me to work those guys, it was like, it was like any indie guy in California working modest. You know, it was just kind of cool. Oh, the local hero of the area type thing. Right. But their matches, that was a lot of fun. But for the most part, the elite roster – is full of young guys. We we purposely went after young guys that nobody else was using, just to kind of give it a give it a go and see how it works. So just the concept of the fact that ninety percent of our roster has like two years or less experience—that's pretty cool, in my opinion. Well, there's nothing wrong with with uh, grooming your own guys and growing them up, and you know, I mean, at least there aren't the egos of the you know the the guys that you have to fly in. I'm not going to say right. any names, but no, absolutely. That comes that comes with the territory, and like the whole point of elite is it's Acid and Jay Jetson's company. You know, they're, they're the two guys that own it, and they asked us to come on board and just kind of help out and help get guys in the company and things like that. And we wanted to fashion it with the same mindset of IWA, where it's just a place that the boys can come work. You know, what I mean, not politics, no problems, just guys that need to work and guys that want to try to network and get to other places, just gives them an opportunity to do that, which is the same thing Ian does. So we wanted to do kind of a smaller scale of just a place where guys can have that opportunity. So I think we've made a good run for it so far. 
Okay. Any stories from uh, the September 29th, 2007, all Tomaselli three-way dance? I was sore the next day, man. I was really... There's no two stiffer guys, I think, than both of my brothers. And, you know, as you can see, I'm definitely the smallest of the three. But it did get my ass handed to me quite a bit uh, in that match. Um, I liked it because it was my idea to have to have that match. It was just... It had never been done. And I was really... I'd worked, you know, with Vito for years. But really, to work against him... I think maybe I'd wrestled against Vito maybe a couple times, you know, in... in, in seven years that I've been in the business. But just to have that opportunity to kind of be on the opposite side of him was really, that was an enticing kind of thing. I, I really wanted to try that. But I think the biggest thing I can recall is the, the headache I had the next day. <laughs> they, they, uh, there was like a lot of making up from Brandon kicking my ass. So it was fun, though. It was a lot of fun. Next time you see Vito, I want you to whack him in the back of the head and tell him KZ has not gotten his DVDs yet. I'll, I'll, how about a how about a nice shove? If I whack him in the head, there's going to be a whole uproar. <laughs> It'll destroy you the apartment. Yell at him for me. <laughs> I will. No, for sure. Absolutely. Awesome. Because I I am dying to see that three way match. You know what? I just got a copy of it today. I'll uh, I'll have I'll rip one up for you. I'll just send it to you. He's kind of all of those kind of things. I'll I'll make sure you get it though. Alrighty. Looks like the undercard was pretty the, cool too. There's a lot of good guys on the undercard that, that got a good opportunity to be seen that day. You know, thanks. See, to that you. was uh, that was Ted Petty weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was the on the matinee slot on night two of the Ted Petty. Right. The show was actually supposed to be the matinee on the Candido Cup, but Ian said he, he said that he thought he'd have a bigger house at the Ted Petty, and he thought that, that would be a bigger place for us to have that show. So we then ended up pushing it to the TPI. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So, let's see. I am running down some of the results here. Where's Heck? What what happened to him? He is sick. This evening. Oh, where? Yeah. Yeah, he couldn't. He couldn't. <laughs> he was. Uh, he's home hacking. Yeah. He is listening. <laughs> he is That's listening. Funny. Chris, out there, take care, brother, and take it easy. Oh, that okay. a shoot, hey? We have a a three-way dance here on Kings, Saints, and Dragons. Mm-hmm. The Iron Saints against the King of Wrestling against the Naptown Dragons. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that the Kings of Wrestling are the shit. What is up with the Naptown Dragons? Any stories about Drake and his buddies? Yeah, Drake Drake is in my... I mean, God damn it, that guy can do no wrong right now. Drake is... is the only thing that I think he really should do is, and Ian said it at his retiring night, he's got to slow down. That guy just does these ridiculous death matches, one after another after another. He's just going to kill himself. Um, I really enjoyed working those guys. I mean, they've they've been a mid-south. I think Drake's been there as long as I have, maybe a little bit longer. And Scotty's kind of new. He was, he's been there for maybe a year, year and a half or something like that. But you can see the potential in both of them. You can see it. I mean, definitely. They're two guys that do hardcore, but they're not hardcore guys. You know, they can wrestle, they can work, they can do any style, and it just makes them that much more versatile. So I'm a big fan of both, but especially Drake. Drake is, he's opened up a lot of eyes in the past couple of years that he's been mid south. I think that the, the strong style tournament last year and then into the finals with Kingston, 
that opened doors for him. Absolutely. As opposed to he's more than just a deathmatch worker. Absolutely. I love I I'm not a real big fan of the deathmatch stuff. Well, when it's done properly. For his stronger style. He's really, really good with that hard-hitting, um, shall we say, Eddie Kingston style. Absolutely. no. He abs- and the thing that Drake has really captured and why he's such a solid babyface, everywhere he goes, he's a very strong babyface. And he incorporates that, I guess you could say, like the Japanese fighting spirit style, mm-hmm. where you just want to cheer for him, you know? You take the hardcore, you take, you take the wrestling, you take the bumps, you take all that and you throw it out the window. Drake knows how to make fans want to cheer for him and want to get behind him. And that, I mean, if you don't have a strong, it just makes the heel job that much easier. You know, he, that's what he brings to the table. I, it, I think a lot of times people don't look for that in guys. They just look at the moves that they see and they judge him off of that. But Drake, that's work. Drake is a good worker because he's a solid babyface. Anywhere, I mean, you, you see him coming out of Mid-South, as soon as his music hits, everybody's on their feet clapping. Just out of respect, you know, because they like the guy so much. No, he needs to slow down. Yeah. He damn near lost sure. his ear a couple weeks ago. <laughs> it was funny to see him with the head- headgear on, though, against Sandman. <laughs> I did laugh <laughs> when I saw that. <laughs> How was that match? I loved it. A lot of people wanted to crap on it because they really didn't do a whole lot. I thought it was I thought it was hilarious. Sandman. But it's Sandman. Yeah, but but you know what though? Jeez. He came out, his entrance was solid. Everybody loved his entrance. Like of course well, that, they all that's did. it. <laughs> I laughed and I know I was standing right by the crowd and while he had his cell phone out and they were going back and forth with the banter, everybody was laughing. There was not anybody in the house that was not enjoying that having a good time. Yeah, I would have liked to see him nail somebody with a stick. Of course, that would have been great, but I still bought into the match. I, he worked everybody. It was enjoyable, and he put Drake over. You know, he made Drake look like a million bucks. Yeah. I mean, if you see the Sandman on the bill, it's not going to be Flair and Steamboat. Right. No. Not, and I know people get, want to see the hardcore, but fuck it. Not even anymore. I mean, it's, you know, he comes out to enter Sandman. Um. You know, it's, uh, uh, okay, I have a caller on the line. Okay. Caller, who am I speaking with? Your co-host. Hey, hey, (laughs) Hack is back from the dead. (laughs) How you doing, brother? All right, figured I'd give it a whirl. There you go, buddy. Put some cough syrup and see what happens. Nice. Come on here, Sally Sack. How you doing, buddy? All right, you? Not bad, Sally Sack, I kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah, Not provocative, but we'll go with this. For the world to see, it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least the people we, in Midlothian that night. <laughs> what's that? At least the people in Midlothian got a good shot. You know, I mean, if I show it again, I, and I probably will, you know, there's going to be some money involved. Sure. Yeah, but Vito showed it. You didn't willingly, anyways. That's true. That's and knowingly. But but if I knew about it, and I, I definitely I would have been willing to whip it out. You know, for the good of right. for the good of something. Well, see, we figured you knew because I think it was later that night when uh, IWA ran their show, you seemed to be doubled up in your shorts. <laughs> like, you knew that something was exposed and you weren't protected. Well, what had happened was I think that when Vito hiked him up, that one of them kind of went up, you know, into my torso, and I just kind of knocked it loose. So I had <laughs> to show that night. That's, that's just wrong. 
Although that's not as bad as when uh, Ric Flair uh, suplexed Nikita Koloff and no. jumped out of his trunk <laughs> yeah, no. and the ref went over and slid it back in. Oh, what a team player that guy was, huh? Uh, Tommy man. Young, man. Got to love him. Hey, he's looking out for the boys. Good he just him. took the old Russian singlet and slopped <laughs> it right back over the Russian junk. Oh, oh man. <laughs> the Russian junk. <laughs> I'll never forget. It was Starcade too. <laughs> so everybody saw it <laughs> nationwide. Fantastic. Uh, That's why you're supposed well, to wear underwear. I do. Since you're on the line, hack, my boy you you have the office. I have Go the ahead. office. Give it to um, now. I did have a, a list of somewhat questions. I suppose I wanted to ask okay. you, Sal. Um, toilet paper. Kind of like. Uh, <laughs> word association, but instead I'm going to give you ten tag teams. Okay. And, uh, you know, just give me your thoughts if it's somebody that you and Vito would like to take on, or if you have and I just don't know it. Okay. I'm pretty sure most of them you haven't. There might be one or two. Um, obviously, the first choice would be the Briscoes. I I would love to work the Briscoes. Uh, it has not been able to be in the plans yet, Uh between our schedules, it just kind of hasn't really worked out. We're very loyal to certain companies. They're very loyal to certain companies, and they just don't happen to be the same companies. Right. But in my opinion, they're... Well, do it in PWG. Well, yeah, we just we haven't gone out that way in a really long time. But, I mean, if we do, I, they're the tag team right now that I would say that I want to work more than anybody else. It was, right. I always wanted to work them in Kings of Wrestling. And I got to work Kings of Wrestling. But the Briscoes that are really on the top of the list, they're, they're guys that they were able to get past the spot era and still be on top and still be very successful. Right. And so you've got to know what the fuck you're doing to be able to do that. So they're definitely right. a team that I want to work. Well, as like KZ said, you know, take it to PWG. Most of the time the Briscoes miss their flights to the PWG. So, <laughs> you know, they'd book the match and uh, Jay and Mark would still be in the airport while uh, Vito and Sal were in the ring waiting. Pretty much. It just wouldn't work. Like, and they don't come to Mint out too often, and we don't, you know, go to Ring of Honor, so I guess that's kind of how it works. I don't think they've ever worked Mid-South. I know Ian's been trying, but there's some, right. I know their schedule is just jam-packed, you know, and, mm-hmm. and more power to them. I, I would never want them to, to take away from their own business just, just for a different booking, but one of these days I'm sure our paths will cross. And it'll be, right. We'll, we'll I hope sure so. have a good time. Uh, next team would be the Motor City Machine Guns. Motor City Machine Guns, uh, man, those guys, the Michigan crew, and, and I, I lumped them in the Michigan crew because there, there's so many guys that come out of Michigan that are just phenomenal talent. You know, mm-hmm. And those, they were able to create like their own style as it was, as it was becoming the new style. You know, they were the spot guys that could work, where there wasn't a lot of spot guys that often got to work. You know, and they work, and I mean that in the sense that a tag team, you kind of have, you have to be very selfless because you mm-hmm. don't do things for yourself to get over, but for the team to get over. You right. know what I mean? And a lot of guys, they wrestle a tag team as two singles guys, and they don't. Motor City Machine Guns don't at all. And well, they've worked each other so fun. many times, they know each other so well. Exactly. exactly. I mean, the night before they teamed up for the first night, for the first time, they took each other on. And then the next night, they won the Zero One Max uh, tag belts. And on top of that, they're like they're they're so creative. Like right. the different things that these guys come up with is, is mind boggling to me. They they're so innovative with, with different maneuvers and different setups and different ways to get into things and, and it's just really 
that's to me what makes it fun. When you got another team that's out there that's going to throw in just as much as you are, if not mm-hmm. more, God, then, you know, that's what is the, the most fun that you have. All right. Next would be incoherence. <laughs> i got to be honest, I have no idea who they are. Delirious and Hella Wicked? Oh, we've worked them before. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You did, and you beat them. We worked them at Takara before. Right, at Takara. That's right. Yeah, yeah, we did. uh, I think it was, I can't remember what it was. It was was some three-day shot that we did, and it was on the third day. Right. Hella Wicked is fantastic. I'm sorry? Hella Wicked, for for a guy who has as little time in as he does, to know as much as he does, and to have, have evolved as fast as he did, to me, I mean, he's, He's a product of obviously Mike Quackenbush. You know, anybody that comes right. to school is going to be fantastic. So, Hallow Wicked is as good as gold with me. And Delirious, Deli- when we came in the midst of Delirious and Matt Seidel were the two guys that that I I think we tried to pat- pattern our careers after theirs. And right. Kind of doing the same places they went to and trying the same kind of the same things. We worked a lot with those guys. So Delirious, he, in my opinion, has a gimmick that can do absolutely no wrong. Right. He, he can do anything he wants. I mean, complete and totally anything he wants, and he's going to get cheered. Right. You know, it's great. And for, I mean, more credit to him, he came up, nobody told him that gimmick. He came up with it himself, he created it himself, and he's evolved it himself. You know? He kind of based it off of uh, um, uh, Joshi. The, yeah, a little bit. The Japanese yeah. women, the the way he, you know, screams and Absolutely. And as, but he throw, he's he's a guy that could, that does comedy lucha. He'll have you laughing, right. but he but he you take him seriously with his work, right? You know? And he's he's not afraid to try. Something. A lot of times, you know, you don't want to kind of stray from the mold because what you got is already working. You don't want to screw that up. He's the guy that goes, "Well, oh, screw this. I'm just going to go in opposite gear for a while and see how that." Works. <laughs> I'd love to. Yeah, that, I'd love to see Delirious do straight lucha in Tijuana. Yeah. <laughs> I bet he, I, you know what, if there was ever an opportunity for him, so I bet he wouldn't. I, I guarantee he'd knock his socks off. That guy can do no wrong. That match was uh, June 25th, 06, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Tag it, was it, a, it was a tag tournament? No, it wasn't a tag tournament. No, it's, uh, you know, it's bad enough I had to find the date. Now you want me to find the <laughs> Oh, man. I happened to I did an incoherence comp, so, I mean, it was easy to find the date. Yeah, yeah so it was Tag, tag World Grand, Grand Prix, dude. There you okay. Go. Yeah, yeah. Oh six. That's right. Right, right. So, um, backseat boys. You know what? I really would have liked to have worked them. I really would have because they they were the guys that were in the spot fest era, uh, tag team that that strayed from that spot fest mold. I mean, they did spots. Don't get me wrong, but they worked. They worked the crowd, and they what they did was, in my opinion on on wrestling is the wrestler's job. It's to sell tickets. You're not out there to do moves. You're not out there to get yourself over. You're there to, to make sure that that night you cause the reason for the fans to come back next week. You know, that's the purpose of your job. That's the whole thing you're there to do. And I think in that spot fest era, a lot of guys didn't do that, but they were definitely exceptions to the rule. You know, they worked a tag match, but they just entertained the living hell out of you while they did it. So I don't know if now it would be the same. I don't think that they're... You know, the same guys, I don't think now I would really want to work them. But definitely back then when, when they were hot, yeah, I would have. Okay, next up, Hack. 
Did we lose him? Hacky? <laughs> I guess we did. Hello? Gotcha, Maybe Hacky. he took NyQuil and just passed out. No, hello? No. I got hello? you. Hello? <laughs> hello? I can hear you. Oh, okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay. Your next yeah, team. I lost the call. I had to switch phones. Oh, we um, can your phone. Outcast Killers. Uh, who are they? Uh, they were in Ring of Honor. Now they do... Oh, man, Tur- oh, man Tortuga. And, uh, Oman Tortuga Diablo. and uh, Diablo Santiago. Diablo. You know what? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm real bad with tag names. I know, I know a lot of the singer right names, but I think I saw them maybe the first or second time we went to SoCal, I think it was. But there, there are two other guys who just... I, I'm, I pop for guys who have their own gimmicks, who don't mm-hmm. do, you know, the status quo. That, that not just have their own gimmick, but they work towards that. You know what I mean? Right. They don't do a cool move just because they think it's a cool move. If it doesn't fit with what their gimmick is, they're not going to do it. You know, and I like working guys like them. I think that uh, I think that both of us would adapt to each other's styles pretty well. Right. Um, I'm curious how it would come out. Now you got my gears working, so yeah. I'm sorry. Be a lot of fun. I think it'd be a good match. Yeah. I'd- think that they're an unrated team, you know, I think ROH could have done more with them and just chose not to. Yeah, it could have been that they chose not to, or, you know, it's, it's hard to get everybody a spot, you know, I mean, right. running a company, I'm a very small part of running Elite Pro, but I can see the stress that some of these guys go through, just really trying to make sure everybody has something to do, and it's just sometimes you just can't do it for everybody. Gotcha. Paul London and uh, Brian Kendrick. Oh, I was a fan of both of those guys before they were a tag team when they were both on the Indies. I just, especially when, when uh, Brian Kendrick was doing Spanky Gimmick, I thought that was right. gold. I thought it was great. And then when you see them as a tag team, they're, again, two guys that work as a team, not as two individuals together. But the amount of knowledge I think that those guys have, with the, you know, both with the schools that they came up in, but plus the extensive traveling they did in a lot of different areas, I think it would, it would be a really good learning experience. To work with those guys. It'd be a hell of a match. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a tag team that, that's doing so well now in WWE, and given their size, right. they got to be doing something right to be in that company and getting a push. You know what I mean? Well, they're 6'6", six, six, I get it, but... There's something about the company who, you know, gives them the tag belts for... I can't remember if they were the fourth longest reigning or if they actually toppled it, but they were never on TV. Right. Never used them on a pay-per-view. They never used them on SmackDown. Yet they were the champions for just about the longest of anybody. Well, and I saw them at house shows. That's the place to see them, guys, because that's when they really, they don't have a, they can do whatever they want, you know, and and wrestle a good amount of time. So Mm -hmm. watching those guys on house shows, that was a treat, just to see how they, and working in front of 20,000 people is a lot different than in front of 500, you know, so to see kind of their mannerisms and, and what they did and how they did and when they did it, it was cool. I think I think we would definitely learn a lot from from those guys. Right, Christopher Daniels and AJ Styles. Oh man, money. Yeah. I've uh, I've never had the privilege of working with AJ. I've worked Daniels. Um, we know Daniels from you know the Southern California approaching Gorilla days. And mm-hmm. Chris was actually he was a big big influence on our careers. Him and Modest were like good friends. So we'd run into Chris, and he would always make it a point to watch our match, and he would always make it a point to – I remember we went to we – we did like one night in TNA, and he sat with me and Vito at the bar for like two hours afterwards. Wow. All the boys are partying and drinking, 
he sat with us just to give us feedback, just to help, just to be a nice guy, you know. The amount of knowledge that guy has is, I, I think it's, I don't think there's a, a limit to it. But right. two guys that are like that, I, I, I would just hope that we kept up with them, <laughs> to be honest. Right? Yeah. yeah, they called him, they called him the mother hen in the uh, Ring of Honor. Yeah, and he and he's a guy who's like I think he's seventeen, eighteen years in the business and hasn't lost a step. Right. It doesn't make sense to me. He's definitely uh got it going. Yeah, for sure. Black so, and the Brave. You know, uh professionally I think those guys are very talented. Um, as singles and as a as a tag team. But personally I'm just not a big fan of those guys. I gotta mm. admit. I just, I just, they've said things and done things that I've witnessed in the past that it just, it's kind of, to me, it's, it's very unprofessional. So, um, talent-wise, like I said, I've worked Tyler many times. I've worked Merrick many times. Uh, I, I think they're extremely talented. And on wrestling ability alone, they could go very far. But just right. as people, I'm just not a big fan of either guy. Hmm. Interesting. Super Dragon and Davey Richards. Super Dragon and Davey. I've never worked... Super Dragon. I don't know if I've worked Dave or not. I've known David for years. I've known him since right when he broke in. Um, mm-hmm. Super Dragon, he's another guy who's, who's traveled quite a bit. So he's obviously right. picked up you know little things from here and there. His psychology to watch in a match is awesome. He's the guy that even the boys will pop for you know on, on his false finishes and things. Mm-hmm. Davey, I, I don't think I've ever seen a guy grow so quickly, I guess, in the business because like that last Iron Show we did, those those last two with Masala and were there. If you watch closely at the guys that are young boy and open the ropes, Davey's one of those guys. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that time frame, Davey was just getting in. And then he right. goes three years later, and he's like one of the biggest names in the Indies. So to grow that fast, yeah, that guy is he's extremely talented. Yeah. You can't blow him up. Phenomenal. You know, he, yeah, he'll just keep going and going Sorry, and going. <laughs> Don't cooperate, he'll you kick your ass, face. too. That, yeah, right? And the team He's you should have faced in the finals of uh, Candido Cup, low-key and homicide. Man, I was really, I was let down when we, when, when that didn't work out. I was yeah, really so, looking So were my that. wife and I. Yeah, and a lot of people were. I, I was really looking forward to that. Uh, low-key to me is everything that is right about the business. He's just mm. a guy who, who he takes the time. Before shows, like I always, I make a shoot, I make it a point when he's watching matches. Most of the time, he's sitting right next to him. I just like to watch him, watch matches, and kind of pick them apart. And you shouldn't do this, you should do that. Both guys extremely knowledgeable in the business. And I mean, when you look at it, as great as Loki is, and to have a tech partner be the guy that trained him, right? You can do no wrong with that. You know, I, I was really upset. I was really like, because we could have learned so much in that one match with them. That match would have been amazing. Oh, God. I was, I, I'm sure one of these days I'm hoping that we get to see it, but I was definitely I was let down that night, yeah. Well, yeah. You're halfway Absolutely. there. Loki got his release from TNA. So yeah, I know. You're halfway I know. there. I know he's happy about it, too. Good for him. Now, what's up with... Do you, I don't know if you know any inner workings or whatever, but, like, TNA, the whole feast or fire, you know, deal with Daniels, is he... Really gone from TNA, or is that yeah, I doubt angle? it. No, I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, I, I think, I think so. it's just an angle, simply because of the fact that, like, like Loki asked for his release. You know, he just right. didn't want to be there anymore. Daniels has been there from just about the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's a tenured TNA guy, so 
he, I don't think he's really too worried about them not using him, you know, and I don't see why they wouldn't keep him. He's such a good talent, not just on camera, but, you know, they got a lot of young guys. You right. need a guy like Daniel to be able to teach the next generation. You know, so I, I, I think it's just an angle. I don't know why, if they were going to have one guy get fired, right. I don't know why they just wouldn't have it be low-key. Exactly. Like, I don't know why he dropped the, the case to Daniels and then Daniels got fired. Like, I, I didn't understand that at all, but... Yeah, it made more sense, you know, with Key asking for his release and them giving right. it to him, and it would have worked out perfectly. Right, and you would think that since he asked for his release, they would want to fire him on TV instead of just quietly right. letting him go. You know, so I just didn't understand that one, but... Instead, they're going to squash him until he goes. Right, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Crazy. Now, if you could book anybody in Elite Pro, who would you book? Modest. Top, top to bottom? Modest. No, it's like if you could... You know, like you did your double shot. You guys brought in Sweeney. You brought in the Kings of Wrestling. If you had another opportunity like that, who would you bring in? Well, Modest for sure. You know, I heard, I heard KJ in the back. That's for sure. I would. If you book right... him, I'm coming. Oh, I, I would pay him out of pocket, man. I thought he was retired. He kind of comes back and forth. He kind of does both. Hmm. Um, he's, I know he's not doing a full-time schedule now. I'm pretty sure it's by choice. He just... He's been around for a long time, close to, you know. Working up in southern Hay- in southern Oregon. Yeah, yeah, and he and he lives close because he lives in like the woods of northern California. Redding, so I think. He, yeah, it's even further north of Redding. It's like two hours north of Redding. So he, yeah, I don't even know the name. Of the town. I don't even think the town has a name. You know, he lives in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> but he's been working all that area in Portland. That I would for sure bring in modest. Hmm. Um, Is Donovan Morgan still working? No, I don't think Donovan's working. Um, I, I would, in Florida. He's living. I mean, he's he's like made a very successful life outside of the business, which oh. most guys that leave it don't get to do. So, right. I don't think he even wants to come back. But Bison hmm. would be right up there with Mike. I would I would for sure want Bison. Um, Quackenbush. Did you say Bison? Bison. Bison. Bison Smith. Smith. Yeah. The one from yeah. Uh, Noah. Yeah, Bison was. He was Bison. part of Iron. He was one of our trainers. Gotcha. Okay. I didn't know Eric that. Mark. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would bring him Eric in, Mark. Quackenbush in. I would make sure to bring in a lot of uh, guys that have a lot of experience and could teach, you know, and know how to work. Um, Eddie Kingston, for sure. Eddie would be a big fixture of the show. Let me think. Let me think. I don't know. We've, we've had a lot of good guys. I, I think uh, anybody really off the Mid-South roster, Corporal Robinson, for sure. Bull Payne, for sure. Uh Man, that's kind of getting expensive so far. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know if I can put that show on. But that, that's a few of the guys. Cool, as the great KZ would say. <laughs> if you were to have a DVD compilation made, what would you want on it? Of my matches or, or like, matches that I, the Saints. I would want to see? The Saints. Of the Saints, you said? Yeah. Yeah. If, um, if, you know... You were to have a compilation put together of your work. What would you want on it? I would put the the one match we had with Delirious and Hollow Wicked. I think it was the third or fourth match we had with Delirious and Seidel. That would push, that would go on there. Um, the Type A with Ian and Madman Pondo. The three way with Nat Town and Kings of Wrestling. Uh, we had one show on SPW with Modest and another Iron Student with Bomberry. But for what it was, so that was like I think our fourth tag match. I thought we did pretty good. <laughs> that w- that would probably make it on there. Um, 
the Candido Cup match with uh, the fuck's the name? The Bashams. Those guys are a lot of fun to work. Yeah, I love, especially Doug. I love Doug Basham. That guy's great. He hit that they were off the hook that night. <laughs> oh man! And Doug and they just, just ripped guy. into Ian something fierce. Yeah. yeah. But he got a lot of heat that night. They got a lot yeah, of heat. Yeah, they did. They I was surprised they didn't get brought back. I, you know, I think it's just their schedule. I know that Danny is relatively close, like in Indiana somewhere, but mm. Doug's all the way in Florida, and, and they're just booked. They're booked solid. It's hard to get them. They're not doing anything that I've seen. No, they, I think they do a lot of, I know especially Doug does overseas stuff. I don't know what no. but I know he does a lot of overseas stuff. Hmm. And my wife wanted me to ask you something. What was it again? What'd you say? Oh, and he hints some big uh, surprise for Elite Pro. The big announcement. Oh, I can't tell you that. <laughs> That's why she said a hint. <laughs> I can't even get If I give you a hint, you're just going to get it. It'll, it'll oh. get away. I know what it is. It'll be low-key. No. <laughs> I know what it is. I'll give you a hint. You ready? Yep. It's going to be very, very cool. Very cool. Oh, yep, I know yeah. what it is. You're finally going to bring in your older... Little brother. Who's that? Me. Oh, okay, Run Tomaselli. Sure. Come on in. Absolutely. Run Tomaselli. You know, I'm going to be the manager. All the time. I'm going to be the little saint. That's fine. Joey Matthews right now, he, he's in contention. He's got his application in, but it's just, you know, the filing process. Oh, to be a saint? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He wants to be a Tomaselli. Yeah. But he's not a saint. I'm already bald, so I'm... Well, wait, shit. So is he now. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, but this would make more sense. Because everybody knows he's a a, a Matthews or a a, a whatever the heck his name was. A Mercury. Mercury. Mercury, Yeah. (laughs) See, nobody knows that I'm not a Tomaselli. Well, and if they find out, we'll just make you illegitimate. How's that? Exactly. I'm the illegitimate older runt. Yeah, our dad got around. What can I say? He's a pimp. (laughs) <laughs> like the Dudleys. The second coming of the Dudleys. There you go. <laughs> the Tomasellis. Mama Tomaselli and Daddy Tomaselli went their wayward ways and oh, that's funny. produced me. The Milkman. There you go. Milliman. Now, where did you guys come up with the uh, uh, what spawned the uh, Iron Saint symbol that you all have tattoos of and wear on your trunks? Well, the logo uh, Vito originally got and I don't think he liked it, and so because he didn't like it, he kind of turned the negative into a positive, and he's like, well, let's just kind of make this our thing. Hmm. That became, it, it was just a tattoo at random. He got, I think it's like two symbols that mean uh, strength and, and family or something like that. So they, they, we got that, uh, and that's just kind of where the logo came from. The name, uh, originally the idea for us to be, I mean, we, were always, we always wanted to be a tag team, but it was never really kind of in the works until we got to Iron. And Modest was a big fan of this movie called The Boondock Saints. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. Movie. Great, great movie. It's a, a wonderful underground hit. You know, it's a great movie. And Mike really loved the, the dynamic between the two brothers. That was mm-hmm. that movie. So since we are pretty much the basis of our gimmick was off the Boondock Saints movie and we were from Pro Wrestling Iron, Iron Saints just kind of seemed like a natural. That does make sense. Yeah. yeah. I came up with it, by the way. Hey, all right. That's why you are a presidential candidate. Exactly, exactly. And about that intern right. and the DNA, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> Man, I, it's so funny how just a fluke turned out to be what it is now. It's kind of just funny the way things work sometimes. So. Those vignettes were hysterical. 
Yeah, we're, and we got to put more out. I've just I've, we've been kind of busy lately, especially the holidays and shit. But and there's going right. to be more to be coming soon. Your cabinet was just oh my god. <laughs> well, I, I thought a, it'd be fitting to have you know most Ida Bay guys on there. Yeah, I think you had like ne- what was Necro your? Uh, he was uh, a, uh, the, the, he's the director of the Department of Defense. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Ruckus is our. He's in the Agriculture Department. Right. He's going to be heading that department. And uh, the, the main one I think a lot of people like was John Calvin. He's our treasurer. John Calvin, is, is, for anybody that doesn't know, is Ian Rotten's son. He's the, the devil incarnate that, that terrorizes all the fans and the boys at every show. <laughs> so I figured he, he should be a part of the cabinet, too. Yeah, he pinned you or Vito, wasn't that the... Uh, yeah, that match? Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's that's gotta be pretty embarrassing to get pinned by an eight or a nine year old. Not at all. Not at all. If you've met John Calvin, he's pinned many guys and submitted many guys in the locker room before that. So <laughs> it, it, it was a formidable opponent. I wanted to get in there with him before uh, it was I think it was between the the uh shoot, what was it? Candido Cup? When they did the Q and A. The Q and A was over and it was just waiting for the show to start and he was just flopping around in the ring. Uh, I wanted to get in there with him, but I didn't know how well that would go over. Man, I'm telling you, when when we did that deal at the ninth anniversary and we grabbed him and hooked him for the double stop, I mean, all the fans booed. But when we got to the locker room, we got a standing ovation. Really? And that's all the boy. That's John Calvin is the guy that breaks you in the mid south. Not Ian. John Calvin. If once you're there, you pay your dues with John Calvin. Hmm. Oh, he stretches you, he beats you up, and he's a promoter's <laughs> kid. So what are you gonna do? You know? <laughs> He's a good kid, though. I, I'm just joking. He's, he's a, I love that guy. He's very, for, for like 10 years old, 10, 11 years old, he's smart to the business. It's kind of scary. Oh, that's <laughs> all right, that's all I, I had written down, so I guess KZ can uh, continue. Yeah, we're going to finish sure. up. Uh, got a couple minutes before my main squeeze, Baby Doll, comes oh, on. Baby Doll, man. <clears throat> oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta well, ask Sally, her, you gotta I'm ask her, do me a favor. Ask her who she enjoyed working with more, either Dusty or Tully. I mean, no, I, of I, course. I mean, like, who she had more fun with and getting reactions and things like that. I'm curious. I think it was Tully, personally. Okay. Yeah. That will be asked. Um, I'm going to give you the office, Sally. You're, I need you to plug any and everything you have to plug. Okay. Uh, well, I definitely want to start off with Elite Pro Wrestling. Visit EliteProWrestling.com. Check out our shows. Uh, it's just, like I said, it's, it's a company for the boys. So everybody on there is just, it, a good, they're all good guys. They're all talented. And they're just trying to get a break. IWMidSouthWrestling.com. If you want to see the stars of tomorrow, that's where you watch today. Because you look at that roster, man. There is not one other company. And I gotta, I gotta, it's got to be said. There's no other company and no other promoters that's going to give the boys the opportunity to do what they want to do. 90% of that show is the guys coming up with their shit and doing what they want to do because Ian gives them that platform. So support IWA Mid-South, support Elite Pro, and support your local indies. That's about Tremendous. it. Tremendous. Oh, and vote for me in 08. I'll pass whatever law you want passed. Absolutely, excellent. <laughs> Legalized pot. Oh, for sure. I'll legalize it. Prostitution coming up, too. I'm going to make that legal. Why not? Sweet. Hey, buddy. Pot and prostitution, that's a good evening right there. Can, can we get uh, governmental uh, supplements to help, you know, help pay for our prostitution? Yeah, you know what? And it's gonna, yeah, you're, not, you're not just going to get it, you're going to be forced to take it. 
I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to force people to smoke, use supplements, and, and sleep with prostitutes. Well, since we're since we're talking about sluts, before you go, I need one rat story. Oh God! Yeah, there's this town. Uh, oh God! In Illinois, that's called the Cell. That uh, Thomas Elliot is no longer allowed to go there. Um, I can't give you I can't give you the details of what took place in, in too much. Like I can't go too much in depth with it. We'll get arrested. But we terrorized that town. And we had a good time with good fun bars, but um, there might be a lot of little half Thomas Ellie sprouting up in the, in the next uh, <laughs> in the next, <laughs> the next few months here. Um, see see how I came to be? So there you go. That's exactly how you became a Thomas That's right. Yeah, Daddy right. Thomas Ellie was Thomas planting Ellie. that seed. <laughs> <laughs> we had a Sal, I can stay away from there. I could be the illegitimate son of Sal Thomas Ellie. That's right. Well, not. I'm Sal Tomaselli. It'd, it'd be Papa Tomaselli. You'd be the illegitimate brother, half brother. Yeah, but we could say I'm your son instead. How old are you? That's neither here nor there. Didn't you? Okay. See, uh, well, yeah. well, you know what? You're right because I'm 35. I'm running for president, right? I got to be. 35. Oh, see, so you, you were a year time. old when you planted that seed. <laughs> you I'm your 34 year old son. There you go. There you <laughs> Holy go. Man, shit! I was one man, I was doing good. You I'm were head away with the kind of wind that over. Hey, we right, saw guys. you see your stuff in the front row. We know you could do it at once. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate the support. Thank you. Hey, no problem. <laughs> the Sally Sacks got it going on. There you go. Hey, I want to chant the next time you guys are in a show. Yeah, we there might be at the uh, the March show, the return. Okay, cool. If it doesn't get canceled. Exactly. If, if it goes on, let's all cross our fingers. And I'll bring your guys' uh, copies of your pictures that I've been promising for God knows how many visits now. Fantastic. And if you can find that symbol pick that uh, I talked to you about. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm just trying to get a high resolution one. But as soon as I get okay. one, I'm, I'm sending it. She wants to put that poster together. She was telling Brandon and I think Vito about it. Cool. If you've Very seen cool. Drake's poster that he has, that he had done, it's along that. Yeah, you know, yeah, Paul yeah, yeah. Wants to do. That's oh, that's your yeah. guys. Huh. Is that your? Did you guys make that one? No, no, we didn't do it, oh. but we bought a copy of it, and it was that that gave her the motivation that she wanted to do that for you guys. Yeah, his poster was cool. Man. It was really cool. Freaking awesome! Like There's nothing more that I like than you know the shit that's about me. So right, yeah, well, I mean, we're yeah. trying. <laughs> so well, it was great Alrighty, talking Sally. to you, and thanks thank for answering my questions. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. I really appreciate having you having you on Rubber Guard Radio this week. Not a problem. We're gonna have to, uh, we're gonna get Brandon on again, or Brandon by himself, and then I would like to uh, have a little IWA Mid South orgy with Hack and myself and all three of the Tomasellis. Well, as disturbing as so, that may be, you know, I'm game for anything at least once. Three on two. Hmm. I don't know. You did spend some time out here in the Bay Area, so <laughs> yeah, we stayed out of the Castro District. Make sure of that, for sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Okay. <laughs> but I, I do have Baby Doll on hold, so. All right, buddy. You guys have a good evening. Enjoy, enjoy the interview with her. All righty, hey. Sally. Take care, brother. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. Now that was an interview hack. Yes, sir. I told you I had that a couple was... questions. A few. Well, let's, uh-huh. let's, patch, uh, let's patch the lovely Baby Doll in here. All righty. Do I have the lovely baby doll on the line? 
You told me to be here, and I'm here. How are you guys? Yes, ma'am. How are you doing tonight? How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, not bad. Good. Welcome to uh, Rubber Guard Radio. I really appreciate your time. Um, well, I for those, all. thank you. For those that are younger. Uh, oh God! I had to hit the age spot <laughs> right off the bat. Thanks. <laughs> well, come on now. You, you, you were the one that I was watching as a kid. So. Okay. <sighs> That's all right. I don't mind. You did it when man. I'm when this agent thing as hard as I can. It, it'll win, but man, I'm putting up a heck of a fight. <laughs> when you were a valet slash manager back in the day, you did things right. Unlike the crap that we see nowadays, I don't even consider those those ladies anywhere ladies? close to what you and you and Missy were doing back in the day. Man, we fought mean, our way to the ring and fought all the way back. It was amazing that um, you know the situations that we were put in because when you look at uh, there was no security, um, not like what they have now. There weren't the guardrails coming from the dressing room all the way to the ring and all the way around the ring and steps and everything like that, and it was literally, you fought your way through twelve to 18,000 people every single night, and uh, there weren't guardrails around the ring, so when you were working towns like in West Virginia, people would come up behind you and kick the crap out of you, and you'd turn around and be like little kids or women, and there was nothing you could do. I mean, what are you going to do, have complete lawsuits against yourself, and uh, guys would grope on you and shoot Missy, and I just, it was horrible. Uh, you know, just trying to get to the ring and, and back and getting spit on and having, like, huge loogies in your hair and people trying Whoa. to pull your hair out and hitting you and just literally hating you for what you were doing, but that was the whole angle. Whenever I uh, had done the 30-day deal with Dusty and Tolly, they literally let me take a week off because uh, the Crockett office was afraid that someone was going to kill me. I had that much heat. I had to take a week off just to let things cool off. Wow. wow. That's crazy. Well. It was good. It was good. That's why, you know, that's, it was a magical time when you, ever you look at it, look at all the guys that we got to work with, like um, Magnum TA had just got into Crockett's territory, the Rock and Roll Express, the Russians, um, Sting, Dusty, uh, Tully, Magnum, the whole accumulation of it, we weren't running one or two towns a night. We were running three towns a night of just top-notch talent. And I was the only girl. I was right in the middle of it, and I was really, really fortunate to have the spot that I did. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> my guest in the first hour, Sal Tomaselli, he's a Chicago-based indie worker. He wanted me to ask you this question. Okay. Was it more fun to work alongside Dusty or Tully? Um, oh, my gosh. They were so different. It, it was more fun, like, with Tully, because, like, with Dusty's style, Dusty would, like, stay in the middle of the ring, and then the guys would work around him. And and for me, being a heel, I mean, I'm just a natural heel. I'm just naturally obnoxious, I guess. And um, it was like this last boyfriend I had, he was just like, Nick, you make me so mad. And I was just like, dude, if I can piss off 18,000 people, you're nothing. Because <laughs> he's like, I kind of like to make people mad and just kind of poke, you know. And uh, just that heel of like with Tully, because Tully was just like 
the little brat, you know, and it was so easy to work with him because the things that he did and how he worked, it just fed off of what I could do and how I could sell it on the outside of the ring, whether he was doing like a straighty little cocky little walk in the middle of the ring or whether he was getting beat up and just having that sympathy. The whole spectrum of how he worked the match absolutely would tell us. I have to agree. Um, I really don't understand why Dusty put you with him in the first place. I, I just with Tully? I don't know. Uh, no, with with Dusty, you with oh. Dusty. I don't understand it. Well, uh, I actually, guess the to... first time the first time I went with Dusty, I was actually supposed to uh, be paired up with Buddy Landell. I guess um, Tully had been acting bad, or the office was kind of upset with him. Dusty was upset with Tully about something. And Dusty was going to supposedly, like, quote, punish Tully for something and take me away from him and put me with Buddy Landell. But then Buddy kind of went on a couple of days of he disappeared doing some extracurricular activities Mm -hmm. and lost the spot to have it with me. Well, then they had already planned to take me away, so then we did the deal where um, I did a switch and went with Dusty. So actually, instead of Dusty, I was supposed to go with Buddy Landell. So you were you were supposed to carry the world heavyweight title for Buddy. Um, I don't quite know what was going to happen with that. Um, this was eighty five, right? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. No, that might have been eighty six because eighty five. I did the deal with. Uh, no, this was in eighty six because in eighty five I worked. Uh, January of eighty five is when I went to go work with Crockett, and I worked from January to July. We did the Great American Bash where I was uh, the month with Dusty in July. And then I went back with Tully in uh, that August. And then August to March, I think is what it was, um, I was with Tully until I did the switch. And then March 86 to July of 86, I was with Dusty until I did the switch over and went with Flair. Okay. Well, if I remember, um, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember glory. that either. Those were my glory days, but it was fun. It was with me too, and I look at it. Oh my gosh, the first year that I worked with Crockett, I had 15 days off the whole year. I had no weekends, no holidays, anything. I had 15 single days off out of the whole year. The rest of the time. We were on the road. We did. We were doing TBS where there was like one to two matches in the morning on Saturday. Then we would uh, drive or fly out uh, of Atlanta and then work that Saturday night. Then there might be a, a double shot on Sunday. Then we'd be back in, in around Charlotte on Monday. Then there was a local TV for the Mid-Atlantic TV on Tuesday night. Uh, Wednesday morning, early, 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 we'd have to be at Crockett Studios and do uh, promos like all day long. We would get paid on Wednesdays, then rush to the bank, then rush to Raleigh. Then we might do like Raleigh, Norfolk, Richmond, then back down to Atlanta early, early, early Saturday morning. And it was amazing the pace that we kept. It was, it was awesome. Any stories of working in the ring with Jim Cornette? <laughs> um, we were working uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And it was an outdoor show, and we were doing a deal where I was chasing him around the ring. 
And I guess whenever I turned around, he was like, because he had Bubba Rogers, Ray Trailer with him at the time. And whenever I turned around, he was a lot closer than what I thought he was. Well, because the people were like right there, I had to do something. So I hit him. I hit him like right across the draw, and I knocked him out. I literally, I knocked him out. <laughs> you can actually see like his eyes like roll back in his head, like the cartoons. It was just like the cartoons. You could actually almost see like the stars and the little birds about his head. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and Ray's like, dog, you hit him. You really hit him. I was like, oh, my. And, and Cornette to this day, you know, holds his jaw whenever he sees me. And then another one would be on July 3rd, whenever we were doing the bashes, which would have been in 86, where we did the series of bashes. Uh, and while I was doing the six-man tags and things, um, I was chasing him, and he had all the elbow pads and knee pads and the whole gimmick thing on. And I was, because I'd never really worked. You know, I, I did the deal on the outside. I'd never really trained to be a wrestler or anything like that because, I mean, I'm five foot ten. And I was, I was a lot heavier than two, but just my size, there weren't any girls that I could have really worked with. And um, so I was like formally trained. So I was chasing him, and whenever he went, whenever we were running, he chipped three of my front teeth. And like literally like half of one was like gone, a big chunk out of the front one. So 4th of July, I had to fly back to Charlotte, uh, call my dentist, got him off of Lake Norman so that he could fix my teeth. So, yeah, Jim Cornette chipped, majorly chipped three of my front teeth. Ouch. Ouch. Yes. Well, <clears throat> I don't want to put you on the spot, but That's you... That's what I'm um, here for. Go ahead. <laughs> you, did, you did break some news yesterday regarding uh, Jake Snake Roberts. Right. Um, Actually, this was Wednesday, I think. Wednesday, I, I, right. Yeah, I heard about it Wednesday. So, uh, it would you elaborate? please, for our um, listeners? Sure. Um, and it's all over the Internet, and, and a lot of people had heard about it before. But as everybody knows, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts is my brother-in-law. And even though we have, like, quote, the same last name, um, Jake's real name is, because um, I married his little brother, Sam Houston, their um, name is Smith, which is kind of funny because my my, married, my maiden name is Roberts. So everybody thought that Jake and I were brother and sister or married, whatever. Well, Jake and I have always been, like, really tight and really close. Whenever we started in uh, world-class championship wrestling in Dallas, we literally walked through the TV studio doors at the same time. He was starting with world-class the exact same time that I was. And we just hit it off. I mean, we were just uh, – we, we talked a lot, I guess, being second generation. I had a car there in Dallas. I drove him around. Uh, we ate out. I did shows with him. It, it, you know, we were we just uh, we were like best friends. And um, whenever uh, Sam and I got married, then I was part of the family and everything. Well, I had heard Wednesday that Jake had gone into rehab. That Vince was paying for a nine-week treatment so that Jake could uh, get better. As everybody knows, Jake has had like a really really hard time recently, and. Uh, and it's gotten worse, and everybody's seen, like, beyond the mat and has worked with Jake in, like, the last 20 years and has just seen him just steadily. It's amazing that he's still alive. Out of all the guys that have passed away, you know, just through the abuses and just what Jake has gone through, just that for him to still be alive, it's a miracle. And whenever I heard that, I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is it. Um 
Sam Houston, his uh, brother, had been in treatment, had been, actually been locked down in January. And whenever he got out in September, um, Sam had actually, this was the treatment center that did the most for Sam because any time that Sam had gotten out before, he immediately started drinking again. Well, Sam has been sober since January, and this is like the longest that Sam has been sober since before he was a teenager. So for me to hear that Jake had gone into rehab, this is wonderful. This is almost like a miracle happening that maybe that Jake will be following into his brother's footsteps. So I let it out, and whenever I was told, no one said, hey, this is confidential, this is family information or whatever, that I wasn't supposed to tell anybody. And then since when is going into rehab shameful or a hurtful thing? I mean, we all have to ask for help. And look at Hollywood now with uh, Lindsay Lohan and Britney Spears and all the girls now. To go into rehab is rather quite chic, you know. And um, so I let it out that um, I didn't really let it out. I just let a couple people know that Jake had gone into a nine-week treatment center and that we should all pray for him and have very positive thoughts and think that hopefully today is another day that Jake is going through treatment and that when Jake comes out, he's going to be a better and stronger man and hopefully go back up with WWE and start giving them some wonderful ideas and actually make the comeback that we all want him to do because Jake is a genius. Jake is an absolute genius in the wrestling business and the wrestling sport. And everybody says that. Everybody that's ever worked with him knows his mindset. He can work the crowd and just stand there and have so much presence and so much charisma and the aura around him is magical. And we all want to see him better because I never believed it. Whenever whenever promoters or people said that he would call him up and demand to be paid in crack cocaine, I didn't believe it because knowing drug dealers and people that I've known throughout my life, you want to get paid the cash because you want to go get this stuff yourself. You're not going to have someone bring it to you because you don't know if they know what they're doing, right? You want to go get the stuff yourself. Well, actually, that had happened just recently at, at a match where Jake holed himself up in the hotel and said that, hey, you, you either pay me more in, in crack cocaine or I'm not leaving. Well, a um, family member actually had to rush him out of town because the cops were coming to get him. And uh, some people want to enable Jake. Some people want to be mean and malicious and say horrible things about me that, that they don't think that I care about Jake. Well, I've known Jake for over 20 years. I've known Jake longer than a lot of people. And I, more than anybody else, want to see Jake get better. And it was just like with Sam. Every day I prayed for Sam that, that Sam would get in a 12-step program and actually get better because I've got two kids by him. And, I, you know, who wants to have a drunk for a dad? You know, I want Sam to be someone that their girls can be proud of. And Sam's doing, uh, Sam has actually sent his kids money three times now, which he's never done like what he's done. Sam has actually uh, said, hey, girls, I'll call you tomorrow. And he actually calls the next day rather than months later. And Jake's got lots of kids, and there's a lot of people depending on him. And um, I would, for more than anything, want him to get better. And I think that the people that are mad at me and saying malicious things about me are mad because if Jake really does go through the 12-step program and he gets out, he's going to cut those people from his life because uh, that's one of the steps and one of the hot spots is that you don't hang with the, with the people that enabled you 
to go down the path that you did. You cut those people out. You don't go to the places that you got high at. You don't live that lifestyle anymore because that's what's going to kill you. You have to completely change everything. You have to completely change the people that you're around. And um, for people to, like, call me, quote, a twit and that I was malicious and that I shot off my mouth, I really didn't. I mean, I I told people that really cared about him and thought that, well, I can pray for him, but uh, ten prayers are good, but ten thousand are even better. And that's why I did it, because Jake needs all the positive reinforcement and all the people loving him and the positive uh, energy going his way that he that he possibly needs. And also, could could I interrupt you for a second? Sure. Sure. Um, I I am really glad that you let people know, because Jake was the first one to step up and take this offer from from uh, New York. Okay. And it shows that it is not bullshit. Right. That it, it's a legitimate offer. I don't know if it's a public relations move or not. Whatever. Jake's taking advantage of it. And right. I. Myself and my listeners have heard word for word what came in that letter. I had Jamie Dundee on the show a few weeks ago, and he read the letter that he received. Uh-huh. And now that, that Jake is in the program and that he's... It's going to open the door for other people, and that's exactly. wonderful. Yeah. Because exactly. with this business, it's so easy to think that you're invincible, that nothing is going to get you, that, that you're above everybody else. And we're not. We're human. I mean, we have that little extra that nobody else has got because you have to admit if a professional wrestler or a valet such as myself or Missy is in the room, we just stand out. We're just, there's something different about us. And uh, it's hard not to live the lifestyle and believe the gimmick. And the only thing that I think that um, some people really got upset about was that now that Jake's in the nine-week treatment center, if we see him, a month from now, then we know. You know, we know something didn't quite go right and that, unfortunately, it didn't go the way that it should have. And Jake's being held accountable, you know, because he's, he's got to stay in there. And it's not a lockdown facility. He can uh, check himself out at any time. And um, Jake does have accountability issues. You know, he's not been known to, you know, follow the rules. But I truly believe that this is the time that he's going to turn everything around and and, uh, come out a better and stronger person for it. And I hope with all the prayers and good thoughts going his way, he's going to have the energy that he needs. And if people want to say mean and malicious things about me, then go ahead. That just shows what type of person you are because you know what? You're not the only person that cares about Jake. There are other people that care about him. Hmm. Um, Baby Doll, would you like to take a caller? Sure. Of course. Cool. I I have a, a friend of the show, uh, Chris Couture, on hold. Okay. Mr. Couture, you're yes. on the line with Baby Doll. Hi. How you doing? doing? How are you? All right. Uh, whatever happened to Floyd? <laughs> Floyd. <laughs> um, oh, there's a very very sad story about Floyd. Um, if nobody knows, uh, Floyd was a horse that I rode off on whenever we did the little vignette out at Nelson Royals. Uh, ranch, uh, Floyd is a horse that I'd saddled up and rode off on and went to Hawaii with. Um, that was wonderful. I've had so many people talk about that because that was just, it was so much fun to do that. Um, the little boy that's in the vignette with me, Robert, 
actually committed suicide just a couple of months ago, and mm-hmm. he's no longer with us. So it's it's sad. And even Nelson Royal, my pa- dad passed away just a couple of days before his birthday. Nelson Royal died five days after my dad did. Or no, my uh, Nelson Royal died five days before. Wow. So, uh, I thought that was rather, it was kind of like Nelson went up there first and said, come on, brother, it's a good place, come on and see me, because Nelson and my dad worked a lot in the 60s, and I thought those two are up in heaven together. So, But Floyd's... What, that what happened fun. to the ranch when Nelson passed? What happened to the ranch? Um, the truck is, Nelson's truck is there a lot with, along, um, I, I believe that his wife Karen still has the place. Um, and from what I've heard, Nelson's truck is um, out there on a piece of cement where they spread the ashes out, and they've got a lot of his mess- uh, wrestling memorabilia in the truck, and it's like a memorial to him, so they've kept it up. Okay, because that was very famous back in uh, the 70s, Mid-Atlantic. Right, um, with Mooresville. Mm-hmm. In fact, yeah, that's they... the show in Mooresville like a month ago. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, Blackjack Mulligan was on uh, Wrestling Weekly, Weekly on Tuesday night, and he was talking about uh, going out to the ranch and filming all these vignettes and and all these. It was these great. Memories. He had 15 acres, and Mooresville is about maybe 30 miles outside of Charlotte. Um, uh, Nelson loved to do uh, rodeos. He and uh, Robert would do the team roping. And uh, Nelson was a good little rodeo. I mean, he 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 did uh, very well with it, uh, with the roping. He had a couple little. Uh, he had a little stable set up. He had a ring where you could actually uh, do your roping, and he had a little uh, western store where uh, Sam and I bought uh, several pairs of cowboy boots from him, and it was a tax store, and it was just a fun place to go. He also had uh, a wrestling ring set up, and. Uh, a barn type thing, and that's where Rock and Robin and myself trained for a whole summer to um, go to work for WWE. We turned in our pictures at the same time, and they chose Robin instead of myself, and she was able to win the belt from Sherry Martell, which to me was cool. Everybody was like, well, Robin got in and you didn't, and I was thinking, hey, it's cool another family member got in the business. And so now all of us were in there because it was uh, Jake and Sam and myself and Grizz and my parents were all wrestlers. And, you know, it was just another one that was able to live the lifestyle. And she got to work for a while. And actually, um, Robin won the women's world title in Paris from Sherry. And I thought, you know, what a life she got to lead for a while. So it was all it was all good. You know, it was good. Any other questions there, Katrina? Uh Yeah, I was wondering what the feeling in the company was when uh, Magnum had his accident. Um, Sam and I were living in Kansas City at the time, and I remember getting the phone call. It was total disevil. Everybody was just, it was just turned upside down because a lot of us realized that, oh, my gosh, look at what can happen to us. And then Magnum nearly died, and then knowing that he would, being told that he would never walk again, that he would never have use of his arms and legs, that he had this... uh, that he had the big collar on and that they were going to drill things in his head and he said, no, I'm not going to do this and I'm going to come back. And you know how they put the big collar on you where they actually drill bolts in your head so it stabilizes you? He mm-hmm. didn't want that. Instead, he said that he would just push his head against that pillow as hard as he could 
anytime he was conscious, he was like working muscles and trying to come back and trying to come back because they actually told him that he was going to be a paraplegic, that he would never walk again, that he would never have use of his arms or legs. And the last time I saw Magnum, he was walking without a cane. And to me, that's a miracle. That was, you know, for him to be able to literally be where he's at now and uh, has a beautiful girl. And, and I believe that he and his uh, uh, girlfriend just had twins. So he's a dad now. And uh, I remember, I think it was one of the, one of the best moments I ever saw was when he came down at the Crockett Cup that first year, or uh, after the accident. Right. Remember that? Yes, I do. When it he came down incredible. in Baltimore, I think that was like the first time anybody had really had seen him seen since the accident. And we did a, a, a memorial to him last March up in Richmond. A promoter, Keith Crockett, had him at the show, and there's there's pictures of him on my MySpace. That was the first time I'd literally seen. Magnum in like 20 years and had him up in the ring and they had tribute matches to him and everything and uh, he gets to sit front row with uh, his kids and it was great the the Magnum TA tribute up in uh, Virginia was nice I liked it didn't you spend some uh, time in the UWF in 87 yes I did I worked uh, it didn't seem like you were there for long though no um it was it was real short lived because when you think of having all those girls and Bill Watts, Bill Watts didn't like having all those girls. He liked the old school type of wrestling, and it was Missy Hyatt, Dark Journey, Sunshine, and myself. And we did uh, some uh, four way uh, or tag teams with like the four of us. And I was traveling because Sam was working with him and and Grizz and man, those road trips were long. <laughs> this, all I can say is Bill Watts knew how to. You had to put a territory together, but, man, you were in the car a lot, a lot with, with Bill Watts. How did you like working with uh, Jim Cornette? Uh, Jim was classic. I just worked, uh, in fact, the last show that I worked was up in West Virginia. Um, I, I worked a show with Jim Cornette, and uh, it was funny because Jimmy was actually uh, babyface, and I was the heel. And I thought, wow, this is kind of a big turnaround. And we did a couple of face-offs. And uh, he's supposed to be like the commissioner or the general manager of the promoter. And uh, he was I was trying to get a match from him, and we were doing the argument in the middle of the ring. I've got pictures of that on my MySpace, too. Then we had the match, and then we had the face-off at the end with uh, Brian Logan. And it was funny because Jimmy hugged me after the match, and he was, doll, I forgot just how good of a heel you are. And I thought that was like a really, really good compliment. We had a really good time up there. Cornette, um, working with him, it was hard because at the time I was, whenever I worked with Crockett, I was heavier. I, I weighed quite a bit more because we were on the road and they didn't have salads at McDonald's like what they do now. And actually, when you tell people to eat a salad, it really works. <laughs> and uh, we were, um, uh, whenever he would do the promos, and he would say that I'd need to, like, shop at Lane Bryant in the Junior Moose Department and different things like that. It was hurtful, but we all made some money. <laughs> Hack, do you have any questions? <laughs> My pugs are fighting. <laughs> are they fighting? I've got, a, I've got a pug match going on. Yay. <laughs> a two-month-old and a year-older, or a ten-month-older. And the two-month thinks he's the great Kali and... Uh, he thinks the 10-month-older is Rey Mysterio. Oh, my God. <laughs> or Hornswoggle. 
He kind of looks like Hornswoggle. <laughs> KZ, did you ever notice that? Dax looks like Hornswoggle. I have to agree. Yeah, wow. Is he? That's, that's crazy. Um, okay. Well, actually, uh, Chris stole my question about the uh, how the locker room felt about Magnum's accident. Uh, so let's see. Um, hmm. And I can't for the life of me remember you working with Flair. Oh my wow. gosh, that was like the one of the best turning. The best match I ever worked was actually the Starcade match with Magnum against Tully and the I Quit match. The most memorable moment in my career was actually in Charlotte, North Carolina, on a Sunday afternoon when I was working with Dusty and uh, I did the heel turn where I actually put uh, Flair's foot on the on the bottom rope, and whenever I did that about 20,000 people gasped and went silent. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, they're going to they're gonna kill me. They are absolutely going to kill me. And actually, Tully did come down out of the dressing room to help us back because the people were literally going to kill me because I'd helped Flair win the title. And we walked back. And when you look at the – there's an interview coming back out of there, and um, – they're going four horsemen forever, four horsemen forever. That is actually like the birth of four horsemen was at that point. And um, Flair does an interview of Diamonds Are Forever, and so is Baby Doll. Hmm. Okay, now, yeah, it's it's starting to come back a little bit. I remember watching, it was a couple of years ago, I had, I um, a year ago, I don't know, I got some Nikita Koloff matches on DVD, and uh was watching the footage where, Koloff makes the turn and joins Dusty for the first time after Magnum's accident. And I'm 34 years old, and this was, you know, maybe just a year or two ago. And the emotion that that moment brought me, I I can't imagine what it did to everybody in the locker room just to have that happen after Koloff had been a heel for so long and having feuded with Magnum and to have him take up his place alongside of Dusty. I mean, it just moved me. How did you feel at that time? Um, we were all skeptical. We were all like, oh, my gosh, it's not going to work. What in the world is Dusty thinking about it? Oh, my gosh, he's going to kill the territory, and what is he doing? And oh my, But you want to take the strongest heel that you've got. That's the one that you want to turn babyface, and it worked. And it's one of those things that we see where Dusty is a genius, where um, the dressing room was, was really against it at the time. And didn't think that it would go, but Dusty, in all of his ways, he knew. And it worked, and it was like one of those deals, that, and it took off again. And uh, it, it really worked out, because here you had Nikita that was just so ripped and so buffed and just was just in, like, the top shape, shape out of anybody, and then went right alongside with Dusty and just picked up the reins, and, and away they went. And they, they did really, really well with it. Yeah, it was just... There aren't a lot of moments in wrestling that'll do that to you, that'll just really bring out that kind of emotion. And that was just something the fans were going nuts. They were just flipping out that Nikita was there with Dusty to take on, I think it was Tully and Arn. I believe so, yeah. KZ, was it Tully and Arn in the cage? Yep. Do you know? Do you remember? Was it Tully and Arn? Uh, Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. Or Arn and Ole? I was in Kansas City at the time. I was in Kansas City. KZ? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Do you remember what match that was? Who they took on? It was, uh, it was, 
it was uh yeah, it was Arnon Tully. Okay. Now that I think about it. Yeah, it was Arnon Tully. But uh I do have a, a question for you, uh, baby doll. <clears throat> do you follow the current product at all? Yes. I didn't for a long time because uh, my girls were little and a lot of the stuff that they had on TV I didn't think was appropriate with the girls. And uh, they were really abusing the girls and the girls weren't dressed very nice. And But now when you look at, um, I guess since I really started getting back into it, I did the Fan Fest in Rockville, Maryland a little over a year ago. And one of the guys was um, amazed at my picture that I looked and, was just like, baby doll, you need to get out there and get yourself booked and come out and see me and literally smack me on the ass and told me to get myself out there and get some work. And because, uh, uh, you know, the Legends thing was really starting to take off. The Fan Fest were really starting to take off. I was in Joplin, Missouri at the time. I was like in the center of everything in the middle of nowhere. And um, I got uh, some shows booked out in Virginia. Then I started getting booked down in South Carolina with uh, CWA and started doing some things and just seeing that people were really wanting to relive the memories. And, and there were guys that are like uh, 30 years, thirty and 40 years old that are uh, promoting shows and, and wanted to have Baby Doll and, as part of their product. And, and since then, since I've moved here to North Carolina back in April, uh, I've been like really, really busy. And um, I started watching the show because everybody's talking, you know, about different things. And, and I started watching, oh, maybe about a year ago. And it's totally different from, from like, what I grew up on. Um, I grew up because my dad had a wrestling promotion there in Lubbock where we had the weekly show on Saturday afternoon that built up for our show on, on Wednesday night. And that... Um, you built up the angles like what you said. You know, you only have a few times in your life where you have that that angle that clicks, like with Dusty and Nikita, or like the I Quit match with Talia Magnum, where it's built up over a series of weeks and months where you have the big blow-up. And now it seems like, and I'm going to put Vince over, and I know it might make a lot of people upset, yeah. but Vince's Monday Night Raw show, whenever he starts out and has, uh, the little tease at the first, he is actually putting together almost a three- to four-month angle in a two-hour show. And it's just t- totally taking it a different direction, but he's got a lot of talent that he can work with. The girls are amazing between, like, uh, Mickey James and Melina and the TNA knockout girls with Gail Kim and Tracy Brooks and Talia Madison. There's a lot of girls out there that look amazing, and they can work, and they, they're actually, like, showing their facial expressions instead of showing their butts all the time, and um, the girls can work. Um, they've got ODB and the uh, the big Kong girl that are good heels. I think they're going to come along. The newest, and I'll let you know, this has been kind of funny because people have hit me up on MySpace on this. The newest rumor to go around is that Beth Phoenix is actually my daughter. Which I thought was funny, uh, but my girls are like huge compared to her. Uh, my oldest daughter is like six foot two, and I think it's kind of it's kind of funny because whenever she calls herself a glamazon, I'm like the original Amazon because I'm like five foot ten and I'm almost I'm over six foot tall whenever I have heels on, 
And that's what you think of an Amazon is just this big, beautiful girl, right? And she's like five six, five seven. She's just a little bitty old thing. And I'm thinking that, oh, my God, you know, it's just kind of funny you call yourself a Glamazon and, and you're tiny. Jeez. But um, my oldest daughter is actually like six foot two. And then my youngest is the one that actually wants to get in the business. And we all sit around and, and watch the shows now, and even my oldest one will watch. And uh, John Morrison, oh, my gosh, he's, like, amazing. With CW Punk, they've had some good matches with The Miz. And, um, yeah, I, I watch the show, and, and I kid with everybody. I'm, like, the biggest mark in the whole room, and I'm proud of it. I always want to be a mark. And the shows that they're putting out between, like, Raw and ECW on Tuesday, and then I taped the two-hour show for TNA. I haven't really gotten into SmackDown that much except for Matt Hardy, and, yes, I got the Christmas party invitation to Matt's house, which is awesome. But um, <laughs> <laughs> And I got to meet Matt and Jeff, and I think that was, like, the biggest mark-out moment for me this past year was a friend of mine, Timber, took me out to the gym, and I got to meet Matt Hardy about a year ago. And then I was at a, a show... Um, right here close to Fayetteville back in March, and I got to meet Jeff Hardy. And that I was just, I was just staring because I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's Jeff Hardy. I can't believe it's Jeff Hardy. You know, and it's just, it's just cool, you know, and, and I, it's good. And if people watch, I mean, there's, there's some really good matches out there and there's some really good talent, and it's totally different than what I grew up on, but it can't stay the same. You know, there's got to be change. And uh, the product that Vince is putting out is top-notch. And it, living here in North Carolina, there's something like 68 independent promotions. And, um, man, I loved it. The, the, one of the best times I had this year, I was at the Fan Fest in Charlotte for Greg Price in August. And the last night of the show on Sunday night, I actually sat front row ringside and got to sit and watch the whole wrestling show. And I was thinking, wow, how long has it been since I've been able to actually do that? And I had the best time because I was like the special guest type thing. And Lodi and I had like a little face-off thing. And he says, um, are you going to be thinking about me tonight? Because I know I'm going to be thinking about you and different things like this. And uh, faced off with one of the girls that was in the tag team because one of the guys tried to pick her up and he couldn't pick her up. And it was just like, man, if you're going to work, you better be able to pick your girl up. And we just started you know, shoot barbs back and forth at each other, and it wasn't planned, it wasn't part of the show or anything, but for new guys to actually be able to work with me, you know, it was a highlight for them too, you know, and shoot, I love wrestling, I always will love wrestling, both of my parents were wrestlers, I grew up watching it, I love the sport, um, whenever I was growing up, it's really funny because um, not everybody had cable, cable TV was just starting to come out. And so every month I was calling Cox Cable there in Lubbock saying, do I have cable yet? Do I have cable? Because I wanted to watch Georgia Championship Wrestling. And shoot, every Saturday afternoon, that's where I was at, between 5 and 7 p.m. I was watching Georgia Championship Wrestling when I was growing up. So, wow. yes, I watch it. Yes, I love it. And um, there's a lot of talent out there. Jeff Hardy is uh, amazing. Uh, John Morrison, The Miz, C.W. Punk, The Girls, um, there's a lot of there's gorgeous guys out there, and they can work. They've just got a totally different style, how they fly, and some of the stuff that they do in the ring. It's just amazing. Hmm. Um, out I know. Did you uh, come out here to the San Francisco Bay Area for the Wrestle Crap Fest? See, I don't see how guys. Um, yes, I did. 
Yes, I had a wonderful Boy. time. Yes, I got paid. Uh, <laughs> my money went through the very first time. I didn't have any problems. Um, everybody kind of cuts that down, but she's, I got paid to have a five-day vacation out in California. Plus, I got to, I got to meet Goldberg. I got to meet Stone Cold. I got to meet China. Meeting uh, Steve Austin was amazing because I walked up to him and I was like, "Hi, I'm Baby Doll. How are you?" And Stone Cold looked at me and he said, "I've been watching you." It's <laughs> like, wow, you know what a big mark out moment. It was like, you know, how could you not smile at that? And I got to hang out with him for two hours. I had some friends back in North Carolina that I had him sign some pictures to, and I've got this big, huge poster where I've literally got 90 signatures on it from, like, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Diamond Dallas Page. I mean, everybody signed my poster. And uh, the it was amazing because the guy that, that promoted it, from what I'd heard, uh, was a police officer. He had borrowed money against his pension. He had borrowed money against his house. Uh, there was actually money that was there because how are you going to put all those people up in a hotel and fly everybody out? I mean, there was money. It's just that you can't promote a show just on the Internet. And I think that was where the mistake was made was that they actually needed to do more promoting because when you look at the wrestling card that we had out there on that Friday night with Sandman and Carino and the great Muda and the guys that were out there, that we should have filled up the cow palace, but nobody really knew that we were out there. And um, I had a great time. It was it was a lot of fun hanging out with all the boys. I mean, you could tell by my MySpace page that I got pictures with, like, everybody. People are saying, oh, well, da-da-da-da-da. Look at who you got to meet. You know, if, if they're going to bitch and gripe because uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash didn't show up, look at who you did get to see and get to hang out with. And look at who was in the bar uh, at night and, and who was walking through the lobby during the day. And everybody was nice, and I don't think anybody turned down any autographs. If you wanted to go up, and and uh, I got one kid, he, you could just see that he was just totally marked out by Sandman, by Hack, and that he was like literally frozen to the ground. He could not move. And I said, hey, you want me to get that autograph for you? And he was like, would you? And I went over and had Hack sign, sign it for him and, and gave it back to him. And, and you could just see that, oh, wow, you know, just to be in that and to be that close and to actually see the people, how could you bitch and complain about that? It wasn't organized. That was the whole thing was that this guy wanted something wonderful to happen. It did, but it just wasn't quite as wonderful as what it should have been. But as far as I know, um, everybody that I've talked to has actually gotten paid. I don't think I've, I've heard of anyone that eventually their money didn't go through. Mine went through. So, you know, what are you going to do? I got a five-day vacation in San Francisco and got to hang out with almost 100 wrestlers. I don't remember signing anybody's autographs. <laughs> Did anyone ask you? Oh, I go by hack. Okay. Are you the hack or Sandman? See, what was cool about that was I hung out with Sandman the first two nights. And we were oh. going to the bar... I guess they had some bar downtown that we were supposed to, like, hang out at, but we were too late getting there, and it already closed down. So that Dan Fry guy was telling uh, Sandman to put a cigarette out in the van. And Sandman's just smoking a cigarette and not, not saying a word to anybody. And Dan's like, oh, you're inconsiderate, and how could you be so inconsiderate, and, and who do you think you are? And he's trying to throw down with Sandman. And I'm sitting in the back seat with these guys, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're going to start fighting. They're going to start fighting. 
what am I? I'm texting people. I'm riding through San Francisco in the back of a van with Sandman. Tell my kids I love them. I don't know if I'm gonna make it out alive. And uh, then someone gave Fry the Iggy like, hey, don't mess with them. And then he apologized and everything. But then Sandman and I were hanging out, and um, he, Sandman's from from the Pennsylvania area. And I asked him if he knew about a promoter named Joel Goodhart. Joel Goodhart had a wrestling school back in, like, the late 80s, early 90s. It was a two-month program where at the end of the two months, you actually got your wrestling gear, you got a gimmick, and you got a match, which you got on tape where you could take and, and go promote yourself off from that. Well, I was doing all the wrestling gear for his school. And it turned out that Sandman was in Joel Joel Goodhart's first school, which meant that I made Sandman's very first pair of wrestling tights, and he remembered them. They were uh, lime green, kind of loose spandex, with Sandman written down the side and an hourglass on his hip. And I made Sandman's very first pair of wrestling tights. That's funny. And that's kind of like one of those seven steps to Kevin Bacon stories of like, wow, and you're just sitting around talking. That's the stories that come out of that. That's you know, just pretty cool. Wow. So, um, what do you have coming up in the future? Um, in the future, I'm trying to get booked on fan fests. Right now, there's a couple of them um, that are materializing that I'd like to get on. Um, I've got some local shows um, here in Fayetteville. The uh, next show that I'm booked on is um, I'm working on a show in Richmond, Virginia, for January the fifth. I've got uh, another show up in West Virginia. The posters, uh, my default picks on my MySpace with Ricky Morton against Bobby Eaton, which is always a classic uh, for ASW Wrestling. I'm going to be traveling up there with a guy by the name of Dick Foley. He looks just like Dick Foley and does a hardcore gimmick. Um, Then on January the 19th, it's a local show here in Fayetteville. Actually, it's in Hope Mills, which is like a little a town right outside of uh, Fayetteville. Uh, it's a benefit show for a police officer that um, had died in the line of duty. He had a massive heart attack uh, while chasing a perpetrator and left two small children. So all the proceeds from the show are going to go towards his family. I just shot a promo for that. And what was funny about that, because the weather here in Fayetteville has been wonderful this week, I've been, like, laying out in the bikini every day out in the yard, and I've been texting my friends going, ah, pimp in the bikini, and they've got, like, ice and snow, and it's horrible. And uh, the neighbor lady came across, and, and we've talked a couple of times, like, over the fence, and she was like, can I ask you a question? And usually my smart-ass answer is, like, uh, you already have, but I didn't do that to her this time. And I was like, sure, and she said, do you wrestle? And I was like, uh, yeah, sometimes. He said, I knew it, I knew it. I guess they'd seen the poster in Zaxby's, which is like a local chicken place. And her son had marked out, like, that's our neighbor. That's our neighbor lady. And she's like, no, it is. And Baby Doll's not my neighbor. And, and so I was like, yeah, that's me. I can't believe Baby Doll's my neighbor. And so she went off. She was just like, a, she got in the car, just this big, huge smile. And you could know that she went and told everybody at work that, hey, I live next door to Baby Doll. So. A little mark out moment for all of us this afternoon. It was kind of funny. <laughs> Think that maybe it all thought getting sun and living right next door to you. Any other questions there, Hack? No, I I'm, think I'm set. Okay, I do have a question for you, baby doll. Okay. Now, 
you've seen both incarnations of the Midnight Express for Crockett. Bobby okay. and Dennis and Bobby and Stan. Which one did you prefer and why? Um, it will always be like Bobby and Dennis because those were the guys that I worked with and uh, I've worked with them after that. Uh, Stan Lane was, was really, really good. Uh, the only problem was, was like, you've got to have like the the good looking one and then you've got to have the worker which like even like with Rock and Roll Express you always had like Ricky Morton was like the good looking one while Robert would do the hot tag and come in and make the save while Robert wasn't always like wasn't that like like if you couldn't get heat beating up Ricky Morton then you didn't know how to work you know because Ricky Morton just yes. had that that face about him that girls were little, literally crying whenever Dennis and Bobby were getting their heat on and um just their style and how they worked. Everything was everything was great about them. Everything was great. And actually, there was one other. There was another guy in the Midnight Express before uh, Bobby. Bobby was the original. Dennis Randy Rhodes is, is the original with that. And I can't remember the guy's name, but there was actually um, a different team, and it was Dennis Condren and someone else. And oh, Randy I'm Rose. Mm-hmm. Okay, Randy Rhodes were the original. And then what that say, Rose? Bobby, <laughs> and that was Bobby. But to me, it was Bobby. And uh, I still, you know, Bobby's just met. I worked a match with uh, Bobby Eaton and Lodi in Gastonia, North Carolina, for Gladiator Pro Wrestling. And Lodi came back, and he's got this huge bruise on his shoulder. And he said, "That just proves that I don't know how to work." And I was like, what, "Lodi, what are you talking about?" He said, "Look at this." He says, "I get hurt by Bobby Eaton." And he says, that means, he says, I know it. I, I can't work. He says, if someone gets hurt in a match with Bobby Eaton, that means that they don't know how to work. And I thought, wow. Because everybody's so much into the extreme wrestling and the 10,000 tacks and the whole, you know, this whole extreme thing. When actually when wrestling is, the whole thing is, is that you're not supposed to get hurt. And here he's got this big, huge bruise on his shoulder. And I thought that was funny. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you the office, baby doll. To okay. plug any websites you need to get plugged or whatnot? Okay. Well, right now, anybody that uh, wants to get a hold of me, I've got, um, you can go to Yahoo Groups. I've got a Yahoo group. It's under Baby Doll Nicola Roberts. It's all one word, no spaces, anything like that. Or you can go to my MySpace. I seem to be spending more time on MySpace than anywhere. And it's uh, myspace.com forward slash Nicola underscore Roberts. And my first name is N-I-C-K-L-A underscore and then Robert. Um, as you know, uh, I love MySpace. Uh, I had just, uh, I found ODB's MySpace and I messaged her and I was like, I don't know if this is fan space or if this is a fan site. And it was really real and, and uh, we're putting each other over and I thought that was so cool, you know, just to be able to get a hold of people and to send them just a short message and let them know that you like their work. And it's just like with you guys and your show. Uh, MySpace has been a big promoter of independent wrestlers, which I am now. And I like getting out there. And uh, I'm on, um, I don't know, has anybody watched the new WCCW DVD yet? I watched it yesterday. Oh, great. I saw you. I saw you on there. Am I on there? There was one part, one clip of a match. Okay. And hey, as long I, as I'm on it, that's what counts, right? <laughs> uh, I could, 
Because, see, I actually work, I've worked for Walmart, like, for over four years, and it is so cool to watch, walk by the DVD section and actually hold something and go, I go, I'm on this. Because <laughs> we had just a Four Horsemen one that was on there, and I was like, I, they blew me up on that one. I loved it. On the um, the Four Horsemen DVD, then I'm on Ric Flair's, one of his DVDs. I'm on Dusty's. I'm on the Best of the Steel Cage matches. And, um, no, I'm not making any money off of that because I never have worked one day for Vince. So I don't have a contract with him, so there's no financial obligation because whenever he bought the the rights for all these uh, tapes and things, uh, whenever we signed the back of our checks, we actually signed over our rights for them. If I'd actually worked for Vince, then I would be able to make a royalty off of it. But I'll look at it this way. I'm on it. I can show it off to my kids. My kids can show it off to their friends, and that's my payment, and it's all worth it in the end. Um I like working in these shows. I'd like to try and make another run at either TNA or WWE just to, you know, get that extra boost. Because um, I am, like like you guys know, I mean, I've I worked out, like, really, really hard. I've changed my body image, um, trying to look good. And I want to get out and I want to get booked and, and do some shows. And so far it's working. I love it. And plus my little girl goes with me, Michaela. Um, she's 15. Um, she's going to be my third generation, get her in the ring and, and we go down the road, and she sets up my gimmick table, and, and we have a really good time, and I'm teaching her. And uh, She may not listen to everything that I say, but I'm going to make her smart, and she's going to know what, what to do. She's learning the business properly. Right. I hope so. I hope so. Well, she's got some big baby doll. To fill in. Thank you for coming on. We, we greatly appreciate it. Um, You're welcome. I appreciate you all. You know I do. It's I've been a huge, huge fan since well, the TBS days. I hope I've disappointed you. I hope I've been the perfect ten as always. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But thank you for coming on. Um, I'm yeah. going to let you go. Thank you for letting okay. me have some time about like with Jake, too, because, um, and everybody, you know, if, if anybody needs our thoughts and prayers, um, I don't know what everybody's religious affiliation is. But just let's in the next couple of weeks have some really positive thoughts, you know, about Jake. And uh, he's going to get through this. He's going to come out better and stronger. And I want to see see what happens with WWE when he gets out. And Hello? Waiting for host to call in. Well, 